Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When the first lockdown started, life and so many livelihoods came to a juddering halt. The government set up a furlough scheme to keep those who couldn't work afloat, but it didn't rescue everyone. I'm one of the three million unemployed fallen through the cracks because they decided they couldn't differentiate between limited companies where it was small people like me just paying ourselves dividends and other bigger corporations. Out of work, with no money coming in, these small businesses couldn't keep up with their tax bills. But that didn't stop HMRC, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, chasing them with threatening letters and private debt collectors. The HMRC letters, when it got to that latter stage and they're threatening repossessions, are really directly aggressive. We can take things you own and, and sell them and charge you fees for doing so. Why are the government using such aggressive tactics on some of the people who've been hit hardest by the financial impact of COVID? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, a Times investigation. The tax enforcers chasing penniless families. In March, as lockdown kicked in and the economy began to shut down, people who didn't qualify for government support suddenly found their earnings dried up and they couldn't afford to pay their bills. Rent, utilities and their taxes. But surely HMRC, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, the government's tax collecting department, would understand. After all, it was the government that had locked their businesses down and unlike most workers, they hadn't received any support from the Treasury. But if they were hoping for leniency whilst they struggled to survive, they were mistaken. I spoke to some of the small business owners who found themselves in a desperate situation. Hello. Hi, is that Richard? Hello. My name's Richard Hull, builder, carpenter. Richard lives in East Grinstead in Sussex. He's been a carpenter for 35 years, and before the pandemic, he was working full-time. Everything was going along tickety-boo. I had an awful lot of work the previous year and a load of work planned for this year. Just finishing off jobs in sort of January, 
And most of my work is for local developers and a lot of repeat customers. Unfortunately, one of my customers, who I do an awful lot of work for, had, as it happens, just come back from China in January. And he was telling me everything that's going on out there. And he said it will be coming here. So he's like, obviously, think, look, I'm not going to start anything just yet. A few weeks before the actual lockdown, I was suddenly, oh, good. I had quite a few bits and pieces on the go and, and little jobs. I was actually working for the first two weeks of the lockdown. But then a customer just said, look, we can't do this anymore. So that was the end of that. And I also do a lot of floor fitting, which is what I'm doing at the moment. And they had an awful lot of work booked in for me. But that was all immediately put on hold because people didn't want you around the house. But the main problem is getting the materials. You know, you could be doing a, a day-long job somewhere and you say, oh, I just need a bit of tube one. You can't go out and just buy it and come back in 20 minutes. You've got to go online. You've got to wait till you get your little slot. You've got to pay for it. And then you've got to wait for a text saying, oh, your order will be ready to pick up at four o'clock in three days' time. That really slows things down. It was just impossible to do any work. Unable to earn a living... Richard's bills began mounting up. Unfortunately, I live hand to mouth. And then I had three and a half, nearly four weeks of nothing, right? I have no savings. Our rent is £1,500 a month. So I'm instantly £1,500 behind on the rent. You're struggling to get food. You're struggling to put gas and electric in the meters, etc., etc. And it snowballed. And then the next thing, we're like £3,600 in arrears on the rent. And was there any government support for you? I'm not eligible for absolutely anything. I was turned down because my tax return was late. What does that mean? What, what did they say to you? Basically, if your tax return's late, you don't get the government grant. So you couldn't get any support from the government to cover your complete lack of business? Not one thing. I applied for universal credit and it came up with a princely sum of naught. But why? I don't know. They work it out. In late summer, Richard received a letter from HMRC. Saying, you owe so much, we really need the money to help the NHS and all the rest of it. I can't remember the exact dates, actually. They were all within a week of each other. The language in the letter was quite threatening. Pay it now, or we're coming to take everything you've got and sell it. If you don't contact us, we take that as you saying you're refusing. What did you do? To be honest with you, panicked. Yeah. <laughs> I tried ringing the um, debt collecting company, hmm. and... Every time I tried, it was, we're experiencing a high volume of calls, please hold. And the longest I held for was 28 minutes, with no answer whatsoever. And that's quite a lot on your phone bill. It certainly is. Just when you don't need any more bills coming in. To be able to keep the roof over my head, we have to pay £600 a week to the landlord to catch up on the arrears, and I'm earning approximately 750 So I've got £150 a week to live on, to run a vehicle, to get to work, to get gas, to get electric, 
to get lunch for my son to go to school, etc., etc. So that has to cover your family too. Yeah, well, my wife works part time, but it's like five hundred pound a month. And so, how have you been managing? Well, very difficultly. HMRC's aggressive tactics and their use of private debt collectors have been the subject of a recent investigation by The Times, led by Paul Morgan Bentley. I am head of investigations at The Times. And what that means is that I and other members of the investigations team at The Times take a bit longer over stories to dig a bit deeper than perhaps other reporters have the time to do. Sometimes they can take years and sometimes ones come off quicker, but it means that we have a bit more time to explore an issue and hope to affect some change in a lot of the cases. You do have to stay vigilant and make sure the changes happen because often government can announce things have happened and then actually you find out that nothing much has changed. Obviously, as an investigative journalist, as part of you that wants to expose these things and there's the joy in publishing and, and seeing your work out there. But also, ultimately, of course, you want to see the problems stopped and, and things changed as a result. So tell me about this investigation. How did you first get onto it? This started about a year ago, early in 2020. So this was just a report on the amount of money that was spent by HMRC on debt collectors, on private firms that it used to collect debts. I just read that and thought, I didn't know that HMRC used private debt collectors. Debt collectors are notorious for the way that some people working from them can treat very vulnerable people. It seemed like a risky thing for HMRC to be doing. Before the lockdown brought life to a halt, Paul submitted a number of freedom of information requests to find out how many cases had been passed to private debt collectors and the costs that this entailed. And I got some of them back. I actually then went on parental leave for half of this year after my son was born in March. And while I was off, I kept coming back to it and thinking about whether it was something I was going to pick up because the pandemic made it potentially a much stronger story because I thought if, if HMRC has stopped during the pandemic, well, fine, that would be the sensible thing to do. But given the billions of pounds in financial aid that have been going to all different people in society rightly during the pandemic, furlough scheme and, and different schemes for self-employed people and loan schemes for companies, surely, I thought, HMRC will have stopped using debt collectors to chase often the poorest people in, in the country during the pandemic. So when I came back, I put in another FOI asking for equivalent figures for this financial year, so from April in 2020 onwards, and then started speaking to debt charities and different people that work in that area to see whether it had stopped during the pandemic and was shocked to find that actually it hadn't stopped at all. And HMRC were using very aggressive tactics, including the use of these private debt collection firms, even though the pandemic was going on and wrecking people's lives. One thing that should be noted, of course, is that there will be lots of cases when HMRC legitimately have to chase people for taxes because those people are deliberately choosing not to pay. Perhaps in more normal times, that might be a bit more obvious. I think the point at the moment is that it's very hard to tell who those people are and treating everyone as if they are those people cannot be the right thing to do. There has to be an awareness that the majority of people just want to pay the bills that they owe. And if they can't afford them at the moment, there has to be an understanding of that. Did you get a sense of how it was affecting people? Yeah, massively. So I spoke to the charities and they told me they were supporting lots of people who were in terrible debt 
and how actually the debt collection practices of government were often much, much worse than those seen in the private sector. And they put me in touch with some case studies who had been in touch with them and were happy to be put in touch with a journalist. And their stories were heartbreaking. One of the people Paul was put in touch with was Richard. Because he's self-employed, he has a tax bill from last year that usually he would pay using income that comes in every month. But he's had so little income this year, he hasn't been able to pay. And he showed me the letters he had received from HMRC and a debt collection firm. He was being treated like a criminal. He's been treating as if he has deliberately chosen not to pay because he doesn't want to pay his taxes. He's always paid his taxes. He has been massively struggling this year. He also was rejected for one of the self-employment schemes. He hasn't had any help during the pandemic. And he was devastated to receive this letter. In some ways, it feels like a bit of a double whammy because a lot of the people who missed out on furlough or were really hardly hit by by lockdown were people who were self-employed. And I suppose they're the ones who HMRC are probably going after. Often it is the case that HMRC are going after self-employed people. This is because of this unique problem that they face in that a lot of self-employed people set up limited companies and are paid through the limited companies. So their corporation tax bill comes through for the previous financial year. So they're now getting the bill for 2019-2020, but they can't pay for it using income from this year because they don't have income for this year or, or it's very low and they have to use the income they have to feed their families or to pay their bills, pay their heating bills, things like that. So though, if you're self-employed and you haven't had help, particularly people who have limited companies because the self-employed scheme doesn't apply to those people. They would have to furlough themselves, potentially, in order to have any help. So those people have missed out, and now HMRC are going after a lot of them because of this unique problem. One of the women that I, I interviewed was... Kirsty Howe. I've got a business called The Firm Booking Company Limited. It's a small business. I represent broadcast television camera crew provide them for television productions. She's really typical of the type of person that will be chased by HMRC at the moment through no fault of her own. And she has a corporation tax bill for the 2019-20 financial year, so for pre-pandemic. It's not due till the end of this year. So usually she would cover it using her earnings for the following tax year. But When the first lockdown happened, TV production completely halted. Everything we had just disappeared overnight. So me and all my clients, my crew, lost everything. And I had no income for about four months, I think it was. And because I'm a director of a limited company, I wasn't entitled to any government help because I pay myself dividends. Even though all of your work had stopped and there was no money coming in, you couldn't get any support? No, I'm one of the three million unemployed fallen through the cracks because they decided they couldn't differentiate between limited companies where it was small people like me just paying ourselves dividends and other bigger corporations. So I had no help apart from the furlough part of my PAYE bit, which came to about 500 and something a month, which wasn't enough to cover my business costs and my personal costs. So I had no money. How have you been coping? Luckily, I had life savings and they have gone very dramatically. I still have some left. I've been on a mortgage holiday, which comes to an end this month. I have to start paying my mortgage again in January. And television has started to come back. Jobs have started to come in, but it's not the same. And 
my clients' crew, because they're in the same boat, they can't afford to pay for me at the moment. So I'm back up to 40% of what my usual crew would be, my income. But so far this year, bearing in mind I'm nine months into my financial year, I haven't earned 20% of my annual turnover. It's tough. It's really tough. And if I didn't have my life savings, I'd be screwed. (laughs) How has this year felt for you? Terrifying. It's really scary. I know I'm fortunate in that I had life savings. and I know many other people, self-employed people, didn't. So I count myself very fortunate. But at the same time, I'm angry because most other people got some help in some way. And I've always paid my taxes on time. I've always met all my deadlines for my business and personal tax. I feel left out and not supported by this government. She's struggling. She can't pay this tax bill that she's faced in full. The tax bill was for £9,400. So obviously that's a lot of money. She actually was really conscientious. And even though the tax bill wasn't due until the end of 2020, she called up HMRC and said that she wanted to start a payment plan early. I asked if I could pay half of what I owed, which was 5000 and set up a payment plan for the other, and it was 4400 which they agreed to, but they are charging me 2.6% interest for that privilege. It's time to pay scheme, apparently it's called, which I really don't think is fair because I feel very strongly that this is not a mispayment. It's not due until the 31st of December. I know that I can't pay it through no fault of my own. I've always paid everything on time. This is purely because of the pandemic. I haven't earned my money this year that I would normally earn and I've had no proper government help. I thought I was being responsible, phoning up in advance and explaining my situation. And I'd expect a little bit of understanding and empathy. But their viewpoint is it's a mispayment. Therefore, it's 2.6% interest on what I owe for the rest of the time I pay for it after December the 31st. Surely her case shows exactly what people in her position should be doing, which is contacting HMRC and saying... I need help. I want to pay. Let's work out a way to do this. But treating her like your average late payer in normal times, to me, is extraordinary. And really, she should just be helped at the moment. If by doing that, she can gradually pay it off over the next year, surely that's all HMRC can ask for. That's exactly what a good, responsible citizen should be doing. But instead, she's being treated as if she's paying late. How will you cope with the extra interest next year? Well, so I'm still not covering all my business and personal costs and my mortgage starts up again in January. So I'm trying not to think too much of the future. I'm trying to take each day as it comes really and live in the moment and just hope that this will turn the corner sort of next spring because I don't want to think about the future. It's too scary really. Why are HMRC ignoring the desperate circumstances that people like Kirsty have been placed in? And, given their role in collecting taxes, how would they react if it turned out the private debt collectors that they and local councils were hiring included some that were themselves owned in tax havens? We'll have more in just a moment. But if you'd like to support more investigations like Paul's, then please do subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times. 
Join today and get one month free. Search for thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Paul Morgan Bentley, head of investigations at The Times, had been sending freedom of information requests to HMRC to try to establish the scale of the problem. So it was really interesting, actually, in terms of the freedom of information request. So a key question was how many taxpayer cases have you passed on to private debt collectors in each of the financial years? So almost a year ago, when I sent in the first freedom of information request, they were very happy to answer. And a key question that I asked was the number of cases that HMRC had passed on to debt collectors, private debt collectors, in each of the previous six financial years. And they answered it. They provided the answers and it showed that it was about four and a half million personal records had been passed on to debt collectors, which is a huge amount given that the population is, what, about 60 million? So it was four and a half million records. And then, But then in November, when I sent another FOI request to HMRC asking simply for the equivalent figures since April 2020, they came back and said they couldn't release it because of commercial interests, which is a complete nonsense because they'd released the six previous year's figures. They might dispute this, but what I feel has happened is that they recognise that if the people knowing that they have been sending these cases to private debt collectors since April, so during the pandemic, would be embarrassing for them. When Paul looked into the private debt collection firms used by HMRC and by local councils, he found that some of them were owned in tax havens, including Jersey. And accounts showed that at least one of the businesses who've been hired to recoup tax revenue has itself been paying surprisingly little tax. Paul put his findings to HMRC. HMRC have come back and said that they do extensive checks on all the companies they use. They're clear that the companies themselves, so not the kind of complicated structures that involve the 
parent companies that own them or where the owners are based, but the companies themselves are based in the UK and they pay all due UK taxes. But people will still have huge questions about why are they not looking at the wider structures of these companies? That's a very kind of two-dimensional way of looking at the companies, just looking at the UK companies themselves. And it, it does beg the question of whether they even knew this was the case, whether they bothered to find out about the structures of these companies and where they were based themselves or whether this has come as a shock. I'll be monitoring to see whether any of the companies are dropped in the next few weeks or under investigation or anything like that. But for the moment, we've had no indication of that. And they were standing by their choice of these companies. So that would imply HMRC, who are in charge of tax collection, appear to have no problem with the use of tax havens. Well, that could be argued. We'll have to see what happens. I mean, obviously, these things take time. The companies are under contract. It'll be very interesting, I think, if the same companies are still used when the contracts are up or if HMRC now do nothing based on our findings, it would certainly beg that question, wouldn't it? And do we know, with these private companies, with these debt collectors, do we know how they were operating? How were they approaching people for money and how were they treating them? So there's a slight separation here between HMRC and local councils. The way it works is, let's say I have a debt with HMRC. Initially, HMRC itself will try and make contact with me, try and convince me to to settle the debt. If I don't pay or I don't receive the letters or they can't get hold of me, they pass the, the case on to one of these debt collection firms. The debt collection firm can call me, can text me, can send me letters, a number of letters, not just one. And if then I still haven't responded or settled the debt or agreed to a payment plan or something like that, it's passed back to HMRC. At that point, HMRC has its own internal team of 285 field force collectors, slightly sinister name for them, and they can visit people at home and and threaten repossessions and things like that. So what HMRC say is that structure is in place so that the debt collection agencies can never visit you at home. And repossessions or things like that only happen as a very last resort and is handled internally by HMRC. However, council tax is slightly different. And with council tax, they are using firms, bailiffs, who can turn up at your door themselves, the private firms can. So there is a slight distinction there that should be understood. Of course, it's good that HMRC have something in place, which means that the debt collection agencies that it uses, because it can only write to you and text you and things like that. But when we spoke to case studies, they talked about how alarming that is. There was one woman who has been treated for breast cancer and has had chemotherapy and radiotherapy over the last year. She's been shielding during the pandemic. She's always paid her taxes, but is self-employed and through a limited company and cannot pay her corporation tax bill for last year. And suddenly a debt collection agency is sending her a letter. She's petrified. So yes, they haven't knocked on her door, but the fact that her details have been passed on, she talks about the emotional trauma this has caused her at such a difficult time. No one wants a debt collection agency sending them a letter. And then, of course, in the case of the councils, to have a debt collection agency threatening to to come to your door can be really terrifying for people. I mean, what do these letters say? What are the threats like? It was interesting, actually, the difference in the wording. So the HMRC letters, when it got to that latter stage and they're threatening repossessions, are really directly aggressive. We can take things you own and, and sell them and charge you fees for doing so. The debt collection agencies, the wordings of all of the letters I've seen from different firms, there's a section of the wording that's identical at the moment, and it talks about COVID-19. And it states something 
to this effect, COVID-19 has damaged the economy and tax is needed to fund essential services like the NHS. So it's a different tactic where it's saying we've been asked by HMRC to collect debts from you. COVID-19 has damaged the economy. It's vital that we need this money to fund the NHS. And that, that's manipulative. That's not aggression. It's a different tactic. And the fact that all the different firms have been using the same wording suggests that it's actually HMRC's wording. To be fair to the debt collection agencies, the letters I've seen haven't used terms like we're going to take things you owe. It's a slightly different tactic, clearly. But at a time when billions of pounds are being spent on furlough, on loans, all these different things, to be essentially guilt-tripping people on very low incomes and saying, oh, you need to go hungry this month so that someone's life can be saved by the NHS is pretty cruel in itself, even if it's not directly aggressive. Do we know what effect these letters and and the approaches by these debt collectors were were having on people's lives? I spoke to a, a debt charity And it put me in touch with someone they were supporting. And at the time, they passed the case on to me because he agreed to do it. But he hadn't told them what he went on to tell me. So actually, when we reported it, we were very careful and didn't include his name or details or anything like that. But he was chased by his council for council tax debt. He has suffered during the pandemic because he lost his job at the beginning of it, has had to be on benefits for the first time in his life. It's massively affected his sense of self-worth. During my interview with him, he told me that he had actually tried to take his own life the previous weekend, had been hospitalised and now was being supported by a different debt charity and by doctors. And that was obviously incredibly shocking. The firm and the council came back to me and said, we've looked into the case, there was no suggestion that he was vulnerable. We've never before been told that he's vulnerable. But this is someone whose circumstances have massively changed during the pandemic. And that's happened to lots of people. It's an extraordinary time, obviously. So for the firms and the council and HMRC to say, well, we check for vulnerability, presumably by seeing previous history of vulnerability, isn't good enough at the moment. Everyone should be considered potentially vulnerable at the moment. And what has HMRC said in response to all of this? What they have said is that it's crucial that they collect taxes, that Particularly at the moment, public services need to be funded. And if people aren't paying their taxes, they need to approach them. They will say that they have to get in touch with people. They have to try and and speak to them, even if they want to just help them. If they can't get in contact with them, how can they approach them to potentially come up with a payment plan that works for them or that's a bit more flexible at the moment? They say that they are legally allowed to use third-party private companies to collect taxes and that they don't need people's specific consent to do this. And the law does allow this. And they say that the companies are subject to extensive due diligence in spite of our findings. I mean, that is what they're saying. They're saying they have checked the companies. And they say that things like repossessions are only a last resort, and that this team that they use to the field force collectors, that less than 1% of their cases lead to goods actually being removed. Apart from this apology for 800 letters that said, we're going to treat you like you've deliberately chosen to avoid paying tax. Apart from those, they're not apologising, they're standing by their actions. Paul always hopes his investigations will make a real difference. And for Richard, they certainly did. Oh my goodness, I'll tell you what, that rattled some cages, I can tell you. They actually phoned and apologised. They've put the whole outstanding balance on hold for 90 days. 
and then they will contact me again in 90 days and we'll set up a payment plan which has already actually been set but won't come into effect for 90 days at £10 a week. Which sounds more manageable, I suppose. Well, yes, but £10 a week, now they've taken off the payment on account, that brings it down to about 6000 This year, I've earned £5,800. So I won't be paying tax this year anyway. And what sort of impact has this had on you and your family? Well, massive. You know, we were sitting there the other night, because we're on prepay meters, no gas, freezing cold, no food. At the beginning of the year, I promised my son a PS5 for Christmas. That is not going to happen. In fact, he's going to be lucky to get a book or a CD or something. I mean, how do you feel about Christmas coming up? Dreading it. Absolutely dreading it. Every penny I earn from today until Christmas Eve is spoken for. So at the moment, the next two days, I've got to go running around trying to borrow money off people to get food. I guess the work will probably slow down over Christmas too. How how will you manage over the next few weeks? I've got to make a few phone calls. I know people that need of work doing, so I'll try and get in what I can in between Christmas and New Year. And then I'm pretty well fully booked in with the flooring company. Despite the promise of work in the next few weeks, Richard still has outstanding debts to pay his landlord, as well as council tax arrears, and he's struggling to make ends meet. Kirsty has had no positive responses from HMRC, even after the investigation was published. The only thing I had was a letter confirming my 12-monthly payment plan, which also stated they would consider legal action if I missed a payment, which I thought was charming. Oh. So just absolutely no, no, there's no personal touch whatsoever. There's no consideration. And the threat of legal action, I mean, how does that feel? Well, again, it's very upsetting and also it just makes me angry. I just think they've not taken into consideration anything about my personal circumstances. Nothing. And to even threaten that at the moment when I've done the responsible thing, I think it's pretty abysmal, actually. Since publication, Paul has found a community who are pushing for legal changes when it comes to debt collection. There's a real energy behind the idea of there being legal change in this area and specifically a debt management bill. And there are quite a few MPs that are backing this already. The intention of this bill is to force the government to adhere to debt collection practices that are as high a quality as those seen now in the private sector. What debt charities will say is that practices are much better in the private sector than they are in public services. And that actually the most aggressive practices they see including lacks of checks on vulnerability and lacks of affordability checks to make sure people can actually pay what you're demanding. Those are the worst in the public sector, and that makes no sense. So what this bill will try and do is to end this and assure that debt collection practices in the public services are as careful as they are elsewhere, if not more. Whilst Paul has managed to make a real difference for some of the people he interviewed, He wants the investigation to have a wider, institutional impact. That helps them individually, but it doesn't necessarily help people generally. So we need to see proper change. In the meantime, what we hope is that just by reporting it, HMRC, local councils will wake up and be more careful because they don't want more negative press. But really, we need proper institutional change 
The idea that central government should be acting in a more aggressive way when collecting debts than across the private sector is just ludicrous. And surely no one wants to see that. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Paul Morgan Bentley, Head of Investigations at The Times, and Kirsty Howe and Richard Hull. You can read more of Paul's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producer today was Edward Drummond. The executive producer is Poppy Damon. And sound design was by Falcon Kisseltuk. If you have a story that you'd like us to cover or any thoughts on what you've just heard, please do email us at storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. See you tomorrow. <laughs>